to another week of groundbreaking podcast. I can't say I've started thinking about university yet, being only nine. But I was amazed to learn how hard it is to get into the likes of MIT, Stanford and every other member of the Ivy League. Out of 44,000 applications, Stanford only accepted 2,000 applicants into the 2020 program. This week, I am talking with Chandra from Crimson Education. Chandra is the co-founder and the chief operating officer. Dealing with like a challenge is, is something that is challenging for one person to tackle, but then sometimes you have to also not only understand how to tackle the problem, but also how to tackle the problem in the best way while working with someone else. So quite early on in our Crimson journey, Jamie and I had to learn how best to work as a team. Crimson launched in 2013 when Sandra and her co-founder Jamie Beaton were still in their teens. The Auckland-based global business is an online mentoring and tutoring network which helps students to enter the world's best universities. Crimson has worked with more than 20,000 students and is worth more than $200 million. Crimson employs more than 2,000 tutors and mentors from around the world. Chandra has an impressive CV and I am very excited to have her on my show. Chandra, thank you so much for joining us. Hey Eli, thanks for having me. Can you please tell us a little bit about your business? So I co-founded Crimson in 2013 um, here in New Zealand and what we do is we help students um, from all around the world now apply to some of the top universities in the United States and the United Kingdom Um, and normally we work with students for about two to three years before they finish high school um, to help them figure out what kind of careers they want to go into, what they want to study at university and where the best place for them to go would be. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? I was born in South Africa and my family moved to New Zealand when I was eight years old and I spent all of my high schooling years um, going to school in Auckland um, and when I finished school um, I was really really um, excited to go off and study um, medicine at um, Auckland University and growing, going through school everyone told me that I should be a doctor because I was really good at sciences but then um, just before I started my undergrad degree at Auckland University I met five students who were in the same year group as me and they were students who were, who were studying in the US um, at Ivy League schools or at Oxford or Cambridge in the UK and that was the first time in my life that I had met people that were going to study at these awesome universities. So I became really interested in um, global university opportunities and global careers and six months after initially meeting them um, I ended up co-founding Crimson with Jamie and we basically thought that would be a really fantastic time and opportunity for us to support New Zealand students getting better access to um, information about global universities and also better access to support um, around helping students get into these great schools. How did you first get interested in business? Throughout my childhood, never thought I was going to go into business. And, you know, I had done a few activities like market day at high school, um, and that was really fun, but it wasn't really something I considered doing as a career. And then I started Crimson in my first year of university. When we started Crimson, it was, you know, a very exciting, cool project that Jamie and I knew would have a lot of impact on students, but it wasn't something that we had initially planned to sort of, you know, grow to be a really large company. Crimson was my first introduction to business, and because it, it grew so quickly and it was something that was quite unexpected, 
I had to learn a lot about business quite fast. So my first introduction to business came when I was 18, when we started Crimson. Um, and then over the last five years, I've learned a lot more about it as the company's grown. Was that hard? It was, it was super hard. So I guess learning something new is always challenging. Um, but doing something that is... Um, you know, quite important to, to people and to students and their parents is a huge uh, responsibility. So signing Crimson, you know, was a big, a big challenge, but it was definitely something that I'm, you know, most proud of doing in my life so far, because we've helped um, hundreds of students um, in New Zealand and Australia to get into some of the best universities in the world. And we've worked with thousands of students to help them feel more confident with their education and their learning. So it's been super rewarding. And that's awesome. Yeah. Where did the idea of Crimson come from? So the idea for Crimson basically came from my own experience going to high school where I didn't have a ton of support or information about global universities like Harvard, Yale, Princeton or Oxford or Cambridge. And I guess I thought once I'd learned about those things that more high school students should have had access to that type of information. And then also my co-founder, Jamie, He basically spent three years on his own from year 11 all the way through to the end of year 13 researching global universities by himself because at school he didn't have great access to it either. So I guess his experience learning about it on his own for three years and my experience not having access to that information and then finding out about it made us both really excited to make sure that students in New Zealand had really great access to good information and support um, to get into global universities. So, So that's where the idea really came from. Wow. Where did you get the name Crimson from? This is a, a great question, and it's actually one that I get asked, asked quite a lot. So Crimson, when we were brainstorming names back in 2013, um, Jamie and I were thinking about names that would you know, really embody the type of strength and character that we wanted our Crimson students to have. And um, I guess for, for me, Crimson is a color. It's, a red, it's like a red color. And as a color, it represents a lot of strength. It represents being bold and also represents um, people having a lot of passion. So um, the name Crimson really came from us thinking about what we wanted our students to represent and the connotations of the color Crimson matched that really well. Can you tell me more about the Crimson journey? Back in 2013 when we started, it was just Jamie and I who, do, who, who put this together and we thought well, we could connect New Zealand students um, to mentors and tutors and you know, people who could coach them who are based at these universities and studying right now through using you know, technology and through, through using video conferencing. So we were just working on supporting New Zealand students. As the business grew and evolved, we realized that there was a really good opportunity for, for Crimson to grow and scale internationally. So we um, did a few capital raising rounds and brought on some really incredible investors um, in total, we've raised about 51 million New Zealand dollars of capital that's helped us to grow. And through that process, we've also built out a really great plan for how we want to grow internationally. We've, we've opened about 25 international offices now um, in places like Russia, the US, the UK, South Africa, Vietnam, Thailand, Singapore. And our team has grown from, you know, two people, just Jamie and I. Today, we, we have a team of um, 215 people based across all of our different countries. So it's been a really um, wonderful journey in terms of learning about, um, you know, how you can be a leader and how you can grow an organization. But I guess even more importantly than that, 
we've worked with so many students who have had, you know, absolutely amazing um, results and gone into amazing universities um, through the process of doing what we do. So it's been really, really rewarding to be able to go through this process of growing Crimson. That's awesome. Yeah. So how did you find Crimson? When Jamie and I started Crimson, it was actually something that we self-funded. So we were both students at the time, um, and my part-time job was tutoring. Jamie's part-time job was, he did a bit of tutoring as well, and also did an internship at a place called The Ice House, which is a business incubator here in, in Auckland. So we, we, you know, didn't have a ton of ton of money at the time. We were both, you know, still doing our studies. So when we started Crimson, we basically just paid for a website domain name on our own. And um, I made our first website using um, paint on my computer. So it wasn't very flash. And then we set up a Facebook page and we really self-funded the business for the first probably about 12 months. And after the first 12 months, we realized that, if we had more capital to be able to put into um, growing the business so we could, you know, spend on things like marketing because we had never done any marketing in our first sort of 12 months, then it would really help us to grow quickly. And we also knew that if we started to spend more money on building out technology of our own, it could help us to make sure that as the business grew, the service offering that we had to students would be able to scale and grow into new geographies even better. So that's when we decided to do our seed funding round and that, that seed funding round basically meant that um, we opened up the Crimson offering um, and what we had as a business and the model to potential investors. And we said, this is what we do at Crimson and this is our plan to grow. Um, do you want to become part of our Crimson journey? And when we did that, we're really lucky to have a handful of investors from New Zealand um, invest in the company and, and join us on our Crimson journey. And then um, we also had an investor from the U.S. Um, who joined us um, as well. And then since then, we've we've done another um, two capital raising rounds, and we've had more investors join us from the U.S., a venture capital firm called Target Global, and then also a, um, a, a fund in China called H Capital Management. That is amazing to hear. So when you first opened, what was it like? Did everything go to plan? When we first opened, Jamie and I actually set up like a mini office in my lounge at home. We did other things like bring on our first few students and um, help allocate them to tutors and, and things like that, all from my living room at home. As the business grew, we had to learn more about how we, ha- how we had to support each other as co-founders, but also how we had to support um, our students who are coming on board. So we eventually ended up bringing on someone to help us in a part-time capacity to do things like build a, build a new website and build some technology and also doing some outreach to students. So that was um, a guy called Fung Jo who was a student at Rangitoto College and he basically was really excited by what we were doing at Crimson and he said, I'd love to volunteer my time to be involved. And that was probably about maybe nine to 12 months into our Crimson story. But the really cool thing is that he's actually still, um, you know, part of our team today and a really important part of, um, you know, the company. So I guess starting off, we we had sort of very humble beginnings. And then as we grew, we brought on really awesome people like Fungjo. But, you know, getting advice and guidance was something that was initially quite hard. You know, as a high school student, you're not often surrounded by people who might be able to give you advice on setting up a business. We were lucky to bring on some really great mentors when when we did our first fundraising round and our seed round. A lot of the people who were involved at that stage are still around today. So one of my really close 
mentors who I can go to for help is a lady called Janine. And she came on board as an investor in our seed round back in 2014. She's someone who has been involved with business for a long time. She actually had her own company that she sold in the UK. And then she came to New Zealand and worked in the education space. So her background was very relevant. Since then, she's been a really important part of of our global growth. Um, And she's still someone that I feel really comfortable going to today to talk about, you know, any questions that I have or to bounce ideas around. And I think for young entrepreneurs, it's particularly important that they find people like that um, who can really um, help them to think about things in the right way. I've discovered from my interviews that challenge follows entrepreneurs. What has been your experience? Yeah, definitely. I think that being an entrepreneur and starting your own business is something that will always come with lots of challenges. In my case, the challenges were there from, you know, our very first week of starting starting Crimson. And I guess what helped me to be really excited about what we were doing and to be persistent and keep going was that I really felt very passionate about what we were doing at Crimson. And um, I felt like we were doing something that was going to help a lot of young students. So the the actual value proposition that we were offering people, which was the service of helping kids to get access to global universities and get into those, I thought was very valuable. So that's probably the main the main thing that, you know, kept me motivated to work through the challenges. And I think the other key thing for me um, was having a really great like support base as we grew Crimson. So I have a really close family who live here in Auckland and having people who, you know, you can always sort of turn to and who are there to look out for you, I think is very important. And they provided that for me and, you know, I think always will. And then I think um, the last one, the last piece, actually a very important one, is that I had a really great co-founder. So Jamie, Jamie and I started Crimson together. We have very different personalities, very different strengths. And what that basically meant was that from a growth perspective or from a business development perspective for Crimson, and we were able to really complement each other's skill sets well. Between the both of us, we often have most bases covered, which I think is quite important. So if there have been any challenges, um, we've been able to work really effectively on solving them together. Was that hard? Yeah, I think that I think that finding the right co-founder can be quite challenging for, for a lot of people. I think Jamie and I got quite lucky um, that we uh, yeah, worked very well together, but also that we had very complementary skill sets. And then I guess as we sort of encountered new challenges and we had to learn how to adapt to them, sometimes that was hard too because dealing with like a challenge is, is something that is challenging for one person to tackle. But then sometimes you have to also not only understand how to tackle the problem, but also how to tackle the problem in the best way while working with someone else. So quite early on in our Crimson journey, Jamie and I had to learn how best to work as a team. And I think as over the last five years, that's been something that we've been able to work on and become really, really good at. So there have been times when it, it's been hard, but um, it's probably been one of the, the most sort of effective and useful things that um, we've had at Crimson as a team. I'm um, just sort of understanding each other very well. I love risk taking. How do you approach risk taking in business? So I think that the biggest the biggest thing in the, the biggest thing that I like to sort of remind people around risk taking is that it's really important in business to be really aware of what's going on around you. So I think that as a business you should be aware of what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, where there might be threats to your business and where the opportunities might lie for you as a business. 
And I think that you have to take very calculated risks. So my my position on risk is that I, I like to take risks, but I only like to take risks when I fully understand the um con- the context of the risk being taken and what the consequences might be for the risk. So, for example, when I was 19 years old, um, we were just over a year and a, ha- a year and a bit um into cr- the Crimson journey. I decided that it would be really good for us to expand Crimson outside of New Zealand because we were having you know a lot of traction here. And everyone around me said that I was crazy for thinking about doing that because the business was only one year old and I had no experience in growing something into a new country. But I decided that I knew our business well enough. I also knew the country I thought would be a good fit for us well enough, which was Australia. Um, So I decided that after lots of research and lots of thinking, it would be a good risk for us to take. Um, And we ended up taking that risk. And now Australia is one of our largest markets. Um, and it's our second biggest country with, uh, in terms of headcount. So it's a country that has the second largest crimson team um, across the globe. So I think my style to risk taking is that I, I believe it's important to take, take risks because if you don't take risks, then they become, you know, there are many opportunities for you to, for you to just keep doing things the same way um, at the same speed. And that's probably not always going to be the right strategy for you. But at the same time, I think you need to take the right risks and think about them in the right way before you jump into doing things. So that's probably my perspective on risk taking. So your customer base, how did you build and scale it? Our customer base is families. So parents are normally our customer and then also students. So the parents' children are customers too. And the biggest thing for us, I guess, in terms of building a a loyal customer base and a good customer base has been um, that we are very focused on being student-centric. So as an organization, most of what we do is focused on making sure that, that our students are getting the best outcomes and that we're, we're doing things um, in the right way for every single student in a very personalized way. I think having a lot of student-centricity, being student-centric, has helped us to build that loyal customer base because people are happy to come to Crimson and invest money at Crimson because they know that their kids are going to get a really good outcome from it, but they also know that their kids are going to, you know, not just get a good result, but also really value the experience that they have along the way. So what has been one of the best piece of advice you have been given? Great question. So I think the best piece of advice that I've been given was to always think about what I would do if I wasn't afraid. So if someone asked me, you know, what um, to make a decision or if someone asked me, um, you know, what our plan for a specific team or a department or a product might be, I always have to remind myself what decision would I make for this if I wasn't afraid of it failing or if I wasn't afraid of, um, you know, not getting the right type of result or if I wasn't afraid of not having the right team members on board or not if I wasn't afraid of all these different factors that you might think about. And asking myself that question, what would I do if I wasn't afraid of, um, really made it easy for me to think about weighing up um, the cost and benefit of doing um, different things. So I think for anyone who's interested in entrepreneurship, whether you're at the start of your entrepreneurial journey and you're weighing up whether or not to go into a startup or whether you're already on your way and you're trying to grow as a leader um, and as an individual, that's a really great question to ask yourself. So what would you say are the key elements for starting a successful business? It's probably one key element that for me um, really trumps trumps them all. And this is to really understand what problem you're trying to solve for people. 
Because if you're doing something that is of value to people around you, then you're probably going to be investing your time and your resources into an idea or a product or a service that will lead to some sort of success. So I think that the world is is not short of like lots of fantastic ideas. I think people have great ideas all the time, but the ideas need to be relevant to a need. So figure out if there's a need or the, the idea that you have. And then the next piece of advice that I have is um, to really make sure that you're focused on solving that problem, that you're um, focused on executing on the plan that you've set. Because what you'll find is there are probably lots of people with ideas out there, um, but the number of people who are successful with creating a um, you know, a sustainable, successful business, pretty small. And the reason I think it's pretty small is because people tend to struggle a lot with action and with execution. So it's really important that you're very persistent with your actions and um, you're very committed to getting good outcomes from whatever your idea is. That advice was great. Growing up, how did you balance school and work? Um, I was always a student who really loved getting involved with different types of activities. So um, when I was at high school, I was a UNICEF Youth Ambassador. I was a head student at my school. Um, I did a lot of modern United Nations and debating. I was also the captain of the hockey team. And at the same time, I also really loved my academics. So I think a really, a really important part of, you know, balancing everything and getting the most out of it for me was choosing things that I thought were really um, important to me and, and only doing things that I really enjoyed and things that I knew that would push me to do better and, and things that I could get better at. So um, I think that really understanding yourself is quite important to make the most of your time. Understand what you like and what you don't like and understand you know why you're doing specific activities. Pretty important. What culture change do you think we need to see in New Zealand to help young entrepreneurs thrive? I think that probably the biggest thing is uh, we need to see a cultural shift where young people that are at school and at high school and at university really see innovation and entrepreneurship as a pathway that is realistic for them to follow. So in New Zealand, I think that we have a culture of people of, you know, people feeling like they can do it themselves. And, um, you know, we have a saying around like Kiwi ingenuity. And I think that that's really awesome. But I almost feel like um, that, that, that culture hasn't translated down into um, schools or high schools or young people as much as it could have. Um, and I think that if, if, if it does translate down, if young people do feel like they can go out and be innovative and can create um, social enterprises and can create businesses and not-for-profits that add value in new and unique ways, um, I think it will have a lot of value to New Zealand um, society um, as a whole. So I think that's probably one of the most significant cultural shifts that I'd love to see. And I do think that um, in order for us to see that, there's a lot of opportunity for um, that type of culture to be built through schools and through the school curriculum. Um, when I was at school, I went to a, I went to a school that actually had a pretty unique model. My school allowed us to do um, a day of uh, of impact projects, which basically meant that every week we didn't have we had a one day a week where we didn't have any prescribed schoolwork. Instead, we could build our own leadership projects um, and initiatives. That would allow us to build our own skills um, or ideas um, in areas that we were passionate about. And that type of activity, I think, was really helpful for my own personal development because it meant that I could start learning more about myself and I could start thinking about, you know, how can I be innovative with things that I'm interested in or passionate about? And that was really helpful to do before I left school um, and went into a, 
more unstructured environment at university where, you know, you kind of have to be, I guess, more responsible for yourself. So I think that type of, that's a great example of a type of initiative that would help build that culture in, um, in New Zealand if we had it more schools. Your workforce is pretty young and spread across the world. Could you share any advice? At the moment, the median age at Crimson is about 27. We have just over 200 staff um, across a lot of different countries. So hiring the right people has been a very big focus for me. It's actually something that I spend a lot of my time doing. I think the first thing you have to look for is um, finding people who are a good cultural fit. For us at Crimson, um, we have a culture of people being very innovative, people trying to sort of, you know, action things and, and sort of make things move a lot quicker. We have a culture of people being, I guess, I'm really committed and proud of the, the being part of the Crimson community. Um, and we also have a very strong culture of people uh, leveling up and growing as individuals. So when I look for new staff, I look for alignment with those values first and foremost. And then after that, I also have a very strong focus on assessing people for for their skills and their ability to do tasks that are relevant for the role. So we have a in all of our roles we have a practical task element, um, which basically means that people get a really good feel for the types of things that they might encounter while in the role, and it gives us a really good chance to um to understand um yeah how people would form and would think about different aspects of the role when they're in it. What do you love most about your business? I think that education can really change the direction of someone's life. So what I feel most proud of is that as an organization, we are in an industry that hasn't been changed a lot in the last 100 years. What, we are, what we're offering can really sort of help students to enhance their learning experience a lot. So I'm proud of the fact that we're doing something that adds a lot of value to students and in turn, hopefully will add a lot of value to communities and to society overall as the students that we work with you know, go to great universities, learn a lot, get some great global experience, and then come back over time to their home countries um, and become leaders, I guess, people with a, a strong voice to kind of make the most of the, of the opportunities that, that they have in that country. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give yourself? I guess the advice that I would give myself is to, yeah, really explore, explore all the opportunities that um, I ever come across. I think, you know, going through school, one, one trap that we can fall into is only thinking about what's right in front of us. Um, but actually, there are things that exist in the world that we don't know about, but actually might be a perfect fit for, for us in terms of university study and, and also in terms of jobs and careers. So um, my biggest piece of advice for myself would be to explore global opportunities more so really understand what I enjoy, what I don't enjoy, what I what I think I might want to become, why, and then look globally for where I can explore those things more to be the best version of myself. Who inspires you? One person that inspires me is my mum. She's currently a uh, lecturer at um, a local university here in, in Auckland, um, and she also has her own speech and language therapy practice. But I think what's very inspiring about her is that she is a mom of two 20-something-year-olds, um, and she currently you know, does a lot of teaching, but she's just decided to start her PhD. And I think that's very inspiring because she's not you know, a traditional student. She's working with a university in Australia, and um, she's in you know, a very, like, very high-impact, cutting-edge field of research. So for me, it's very inspiring to see my mom, who has um, you know, already gone to university, done her undergrad degree, master's degree, has been working for you know the last 20 years um go back and um commit to um her own development and 
her own leveling up by doing her PhD. So I think that's really inspiring. I think it's like role model behavior for what we want to see, you know, other people in, in society doing too. Um, and then I think in terms of global figures and people that I think are quite inspiring, um, I actually recently met Helen Clark, who used to be the former prime minister of New Zealand. Um, and I really enjoyed meeting her because she ha um, has a very, she's very passionate about people and international relations and policy, um, which are areas that I, I really enjoy as well. But I also loved sort of spending time with her because I think her, her personality is very inspiring. She um, is a very strong person. Um, and she also, I guess, thinks about things um, in a very sort of logical way, which um, I very much admire because I think in a role like, she was in, which was um, the head of the UNDP program at the United Nations. Sometimes it can be quite hard to be logical all the time. So um, I really admired her for those types of personality traits. Okay, final question for me. If you could study anything in the world, what would you study? Study anything in the world, it would probably be to study how we can help, we can use technology to help students in their teenage years get the most out of their learning experience by personalizing the way that they learn through e-learning. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, Sandre. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much, Eli. You've reached the end of another episode of Groundbreaking. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or through your favorite podcast service. Until next time, stay awesome and share the love.